Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Welcome back to the Exploring Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me again tonight is Ben. Welcome back, Ben. Hey, Rob. How's it going, man? I didn't say Rob this time. I wanted to. I really did. Well, uh, you've broken the meme, I'm afraid, so I'm going to have to start again. How's it going, Rob? Hello, and welcome back to the Exploring Podcast. My name is Rob, and I'm here with now Drexy. What's up, Drexy? Hey, Rob. How's it going? <laughs> All right, that's way better than me. <laughs> so good, too good. All right, you know what? We're we're joined by a special guest today. You may have already heard him laughing at that one. His name is Daz Tactic. Welcome back, Daz. Hi, Rob and the boys. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, he's joining in too. <laughs> Let's just pile in on on me. Do we have to do this the whole time, or is it? Uh, it's just a one-off. No, no, you got to do it all the time. Like all the time, okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was hoping it was just the intro, but we we can do it. We can do it the whole episode if you want. But hey, we are we're here. I mean, first of all, I just want to just go ahead and throw this out there because it's so big. It really is the the biggest thing that's happened, I think, in some time. But Age of Wonders four just got announced with Triumph Studios and now Paradox Interactive. It's his publisher, and we are definitely here to talk about that a little bit because I think we're all kind of like shell shocked at a. Just the, I don't know, the, the one minute it was like, hey, we're going to announce something. The next minute, hey, we're not only announcing it, but we're showing 40 minutes of gameplay. And then, by the way, it's coming out in like three months. It, it just, it was like this like crazy thing that I just, I had a hard time really wrapping my head around. But we're going to talk about that. We are. As much as we say rab, we're going to say Age of Wonders 4. So <laughs> with that being said, I I watched your video, Daz, with the like very extensive breakdown on the reveal video, and I'm curious to know what you think about what was revealed. I'm actually super excited. Like the things that I was worried about have been addressed. I think you know to a, to a certain degree. I, there's a few things I really really dislike in Age of Wonders three, and a few things I really really dislike in in Planetfall. Like the thing I hate in Age of Wonders 3 was the Halfling Luck system. And we don't know exactly if that's going to be there, but it looks like, well, Luck, I didn't see Luck mentioned anywhere, so that was actually great. There was elusiveness, I think, which was sort of that may be Luck, but I don't think it will be. Second thing in Planetfall, I hated the random number generator with the combat, absolutely hated it. And I loved both games, but those two aspects, it looks like 
the like for me though the, you know the luck system seems to have gone or hopefully you can sort of get rid of it if you if you're wanting to there's the other thing i mentioned that it was the biggest it's going to be the most moddable game that they've actually ever released and i've got to say that both planetfall and age of wonders 3 were pretty good with their modding so I'm interested to see how that works as well but overall very 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 happy with what i saw Right. And so if you haven't actually seen this reveal video, first of all, stop listening to this and go watch it because it almost like it felt like an Apple announcement. You know, how like Apple's like, oh, by the way, we're releasing it in like two weeks when they do their things. And that's kind of how it felt because they had so much to show. But if you haven't watched it, go watch it. And if you just want to get a little synopsis of what's probably like the main changes, I can give those to you real quick. So if you can imagine if anybody's out there who's listening to this hasn't hasn't seen the video but has played Planetfall, they did carry over the Planetfall like territory system and you know not much is known about whether or not they brought over too much of the unit customization. You saw some of that. So I don't know how deep that goes if it gets as deep as the Planetfall system did, but yeah, with that though, there is so much more. I don't even I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to start. So the the, the main thing I guess I could go chronologically was that you start off with cultures. So like you choose your leader, but you also choose which race you lead. And then you choose like their culture type, which I thought was really cool because you could basically like, you could lead a peaceful group of orcs if you wanted to, or you could, you know, lead a a barbarian group of orcs, which would make sense, right? And you could also do that as a human, right? You could, you can lead the orcs as humans, almost like Sauron, you know? And that was the probably the, the main change out the gate. And then, of course, the game looks fantastic. It's beautiful. It's got this really crisp, very clear, very polished look to it. It's still cartoonish, but it has a like a very... I, mean, I wouldn't even say cartoonish. It just has like a very fantasy-esque aesthetic, and it just looks beautiful. And they went over quite a few changes. And as Daz mentioned, you know, they have done away with some of the stuff that you know, I think a lot of us disliked the luck stuff from the halflings. And they also, uh, the one thing that I was just super happy to see is that the more damaged a unit is, the less damage it can do. And I think that's something that people have been complaining about for as long as I know in Age of Wonders. And to see that being implemented was, was really awesome. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that we could talk about. There's, I mean, I, if you go to the Explorerate Discord, you can go into the forums and <laughs> see this like extraordinarily thorough and obsessive breakdown of every screen that they showed. And I love, I'm, I'm here for it. I love every second of it. I wasn't too surprised that it was coming out because uh, some guy out there, you know, he sits around looking at who a company is employing and what they're being employed for. So he kind of dropped a hint maybe like two, three weeks ago. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. All right. I will say this too. I caught on that they were doing this because I heard some things from some people that aren't supposed to be telling me anything like this back way back in October, which is why I got Mormon Gill to do that that comparison of Age of Wonders 3 and Planetfall because I felt like maybe if there was an opportunity for Explominate or the community really to influence the development of a game that wasn't announced yet, it would be an opportunity or like that would be the way to do it, right? To kind of yeah mix and match what it is that we wanted from Age of Wonders 3 to carry over and from Planetfall to carry over. And yeah, I've, I've heard some wins of it for some time now and I'm just glad that it finally came out. I'll just finish off and say that, uh, yeah, it was Daz, but... Um, I I was surprised how how quickly it was going to come out. I was expecting, you know, maybe summer or end of year release and no, a couple of months. And it's like, well. <laughs> 
Yeah, that, 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 I've been I've been going to the Triumph. It's, is it is it stalking when you do that? When you go to their website and just double check what they who they're employing over the last few years? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think it might be. Is it stalking or is it just doing your research? I don't know. It, it's it's both, probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was I was checking to see what, who they were hiring, what sort of people they wanted, and I know that for the last year or two they've been um, getting three uh, D fantasy artists. So I was I was extremely hopeful it was uh, age one just four and not just. Just over, over, what's the other one they've got? Overworld? Overlord, maybe? Over, I don't know. Overworld? Lord. I never played the other one. It's Overlord or something like that. It's, yeah, it's, it was it's like a third person, like army management thing. <laughs> I didn't like it. But yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, so I watched it and I initially just kind of thought, well, it looks really similar to Age of Wonders 3. But then I watched Daz's breakdown of it and I, I must admit, I kind of skim, I skim watched it the first time around because I was kind of busy with doing other things. And I realized that I'd missed quite a lot of detail. So it is more of the same, but it looks like they've really undone some of the core game mechanics and sort of weaved in a new system, particularly with the way that you build in, you build in your, you know, your race and rather than having units that are tied to the races specifically, you've got this kind of new system now where they have a culture. And I, I think that's really, really interesting. It should really drastically improve replayability of the game. So, Right, and so the other two things that really stood out to me as well is the event system, which leads your your gameplay through like some sort of like story elements, narrative elements that I, I, I appreciate. And also the evolution system, which I don't know if you guys were watching, but they like, like added like frostling spikes to these things and like they just i don't know it was just super cool to see this like this new it looks like it's probably going to be much more detailed than what we saw but this evolution system that is going to basically allow you to continue to evolve <laughs> for lack of a better word but you know kind of continue to change your gameplay and adapt to your gameplay to whatever it is you're seeing and everything about this reveal was super exciting and i think honestly and this is silly because i know that it, it, you know you can't really you can't really be right either way i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to probably just go ahead and preface this by saying that but i just i feel like the release date announcement being that close has actually made it more difficult for me to wait so i'm <laughs> like 3 months i need 3 months to go by and i know that there's people there playing that too i mean i've i've kind of i know that there's a closed beta and i want in there's a few things that I was looking for, uh, a few nuanced things, I think, which I didn't see, which I thought was, uh, um, which I'm interested to see how they're going to handle flying units. I noticed the Draconians are not in the list. That's probably the one big race that's actually missing. Frost things they handle through the, the tome system or through the uh, through the affinity type system. So they actually sort of get around that one because any race can be a frosting race. But Draconians really can't have that it's going to end up being one of those sort of things where i think that the draconians may come in as a dlc but i know that between age of wonders 2 and age of wonders 3 that the flying system was a massive massive problem for them in age of wonders 2 and they solved that by having the flying units then land on the on the ground in age of wonders 3 and then in planet 4 they went back to having flying units that didn't land but then they had nearly every other every other unit could then sort of at least have some sort of ranged ability now i think that Looking at what's happening in in Age of Wonders four, there's going to be a lot of units that don't have that range ability, which means that flying units are still going to be a bit of an issue. And I only saw one flying unit in the whole the whole presentation that they did in one of the siege uh, pictures. There was actually a, a flying unit on the edge of one of the siege images, as well as I think there was the angelic trait that you could actually then have, which did actually give units flying abilities as well. 
And so I thought that was interesting as well. Just like, you know, have draconians been dropped because of the flying system or they have the dr draconians been dropped because they're not popular? It's just, and I've, I've noticed also nobody has mentioned the lack of the draconians in all the videos that I've seen. I, I didn't even mention it. I, I completely, it was only afterwards I thought, geez, actually the draconians actually aren't in there. That, that's a pretty big omission, really. So you got this frog race now that I've not seen before. Uh, was was that from from one of the previous games that I didn't play, or do you reckon they might have replaced the draconians? No, those are new, and so is the rat people or whatever they were. So I mean, I and they're not particularly like innovative or <laughs> creative, but yeah, no, those are both new races, and I I don't know if there's going to like I, you know there's there's quite a bit of lore to these games that you know you you have to kind of dive into, and I mean like that really kind of like I mean find like outside media and dive into particular like text and stuff in order to get really into it. But I wonder how they're going to fit into the lore, but yeah, they're, they're not in there. And I, I'm with you, Daz. I thought that was a pretty weird omission. And I, I'm, I'm assuming, I hate to say this because I'm not trying to say that Paradox is like, well, I guess I am. Paradox is probably going to make it a DLC, right? Like I'm sure that Triumph at some level wanted to add more and was like, nope, no, nope, we're going to make that DLC. We, we got to remember we have expansions and DLC to sell. Yes, yeah, look, as far as the DLC is concerned, I, I, I look back to when they brought Planetfall because Planetfall was already under development before they then went into partnership with Paradox. And it's not just, they weren't bought out by Paradox. It was a, a mutual decision, you know, that both Triumph Studios and Paradox went into. And Triumph did actually negotiate very, very stringently that they were going to have a limited number of DLC. They weren't going to do the DLC bloat that Paradox is sort of well known for. And in that sense, they didn't mention that at all. And that was one of the things that I was quite interested to see if that was another omission that wasn't actually addressed one way or another. But looking at what they did, it's a very complete game that they actually sort of showed. Like I'm thinking, where could you actually add DLC to it? And really, it's just the extra tomes. It wouldn't, there's not a real lot that they would need to sort of add through DLC. So... I think they're going to. I think it'll be have to be limited again. I don't think it can be anything. I don't think they can use the paradox model of bloating the game out through DLC. I think it's going to have to be similar to what they did with Planetfall. Planetfall didn't have enough DLC, in my opinion. So I thought that Planetfall actually released in a really good state. I know that it, you know, it went through some minor changes with later updates. There were a few things that they changed, like UI stuff, and, and they added more features. And there was like four DLC. But actually, I felt that Planetfall itself, when it when it launched, it was a really good game as it was. And um, I'm hoping that Age of Wonders 4 is going to kind of launch in the same way, because like Daz has just said, it looks very complete from what we've seen so far. There's loads of content. So yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many DLCs they're going to release. I think it's fair to say, by the way, as well, Paradox overload DLCs on their core flagship in-house titles, definitely, you know, on their on their kind of famous grand strategy games. But they don't always do that with other, you know, titles that they sort of publish for other people. Like, I don't remember tons of DLC for, um, you know, some of the RPG stuff that they've released or for Warlock 2, you know. So I, I don't know. I, th I think that they're, they are a bit of a mixed bag. But for the most part, they tend to put out polished games as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I take that back. They, they don't always put out polished games, but I think that at least judging on the strength of how strong Planet 4 released, you know, I've got some hope that it's going to be in a decent state. Yeah, well said, actually. I think that's a good point because the other the other studios that they've kind of gobbled up, you know, the, the it wasn't MechWarrior. Was it MechWarrior? Battletech. It was Hair. I just looked it up. It was Hair Brain Schemes who also did Shadowrun games as well. Right. And when they came out with Battletech, that, that wasn't like, you know, 
thrown into oblivion with DLC. So I think it's two DLC for that. Yeah, which is totally normal. And and honestly, I'm with Daz too. I think that Planetfall didn't get enough. I was really, really happy to see more and more DLC come out for Planetfall. And, and they were getting creative with some of their stuff. I mean, the Shikarn were one of the better races, and that was a DLC race. And I I mean, I'm, I'm okay with the DLC and expansion set. And I honestly don't have any issue with that at all whatsoever if the base game is going to be as good as it looks. So if they want to come out with DLC that adds cosmetics and you know, new leader types or races or whatever. I, you know, I'll probably buy all of them because I love Triumph Studios and I love the the people there. Honestly, I've I've gotten to know Leonard and a few of the other was uh, Sickbox as he calls himself and Jordy and all these other guys. And you know, they're they're really good people and they genuinely care about what we think as a community about their games. And I I will buy all their stuff as a result. So if they're gonna sit, I mean. Don't don't make too many. I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on this paradox, but I will spend a lot because I want it. I do want to ask you guys. One thing I've always found with the Age of Wonders games is the battle system is very good, and it's probably one of the best sort of turn-based combat there is out there. But I do find, especially even starting early on, that the the combat is uh, so well for me. It's quite stressful and. It, it's really hard, and if you make a mistake, you basically got to start over again. And because it it takes so long, it kind of I, I struggle to get through a, a game of any, any either Age of Wonders three or Planetfall. Do you guys have any um, any idea what they could do to sort of alleviate those sort of problems, especially early on? Yeah, look, I think that they've, from what I can see, they've addressed it. What they what they've done in in Age of Wonders four, from what I can gather, the actual. A, the actual size of the actual battles themselves are smaller than what they've been. They look more compressed, so it looks like you're sort of going closer to the, you're starting closer to the units. The second thing is that they introduced into Planetfall, which I thought was fantastic, was that if you didn't like the way a battle went, whether you won or lost it, you could always replay it. Now, I, I've relied on save scumming with all the Age of Wonders games ever since they first came out because they are brutal, as you say, they've, they're brutal in the, in the tactical battles. And so, the the fact that they're promoting the save scumming now, you know, directly, and I saw that in also in um, in Age of Wonders four in the, in what they showed, they did have a replay button there again if you didn't like the outcome of the actual battle. So a, I think the battles will be a bit a little bit faster. B, you can do a replay whenever you feel like it, and you can also in Planet Four you could actually then just quit as early as you liked in the battle. If you make if you make a, a mistake on turn two, uh, just quit and you can then just load back in that save for the battle. So you can actually start the battle whenever you feel like it. And so that'll be in there in, in, in Age of Wonders 4 as well. That wasn't in Age of Wonders 3. So Age of Wonders 3, I think, was extra brutal because unless you were safe scumming a lot, which I do, <laughs> uh, you, you know, it was it was a difficult game. I, I'm still in the habit of going Control-S whenever I start any sort of battle in any Age of Wonders game to actually have a save that I can go back to. And the third thing I think that, um, which you guys have already touched on, is the fact that as as a unit now takes damage and as the units themselves start to, to drop from within the actual group, the actual the, the full amount of the damage that's being dealt uh, is also becomes less and less. So it's more intuitive. Whereas in the in the other game, you could have one unit left out of a massive s- a stack and it would still do the same amount of damage. So intuitively, it didn't seem like it was as big a threat as it actually still was. And so you had to 
you had to think abstractly when you're actually playing the game. You couldn't actually think intuitively. And so I think that by those that combination of everything that they've got, the smaller scale, the intuitive way that the combat works. Also, I, I, it, I couldn't really gauge exactly how the the random number generator system seemed to work, but it, it did look like it was much more of a, a min and a maximum uh, style with the damage and also the two hit. So it seems more intuitive than Planetfall was as well. Planetfall was a very confusing mess with the way that you had the, you know, the 25% that would be a graze, for example. I didn't see any of that in Age of Wonders 4. So I think the combination of all of those factors will make this one a bit shorter, more intuitive. It'll still be it'll still be complex and very, very strategic, which I like, but it, it, and it still will be sort of one of the more difficult in terms of tactical battle games, which again, I, I personally like that, but um, I know that that does frustrate a lot of players, but I think this will probably, it looks like it's going to be a better system overall. Yeah. I mean, there's something else that I want to touch base. I mean, first of all, everything you just said was going to be what I said, actually. I really like the replay option for combat because for me, I would just auto resolve. And if I didn't get the result that I wanted, I would just try it. And of course, that only works once, but you then can do exactly what Daz was talking about. You can reload your saves and stuff like that and just go back to the beginning of combat and get the result you want if it needs to be that, if it's that important, right? But I also think because the, the way that Planetfall was set up was that the units, I mean, there were some units that were very important. And if you lost those units, then you definitely want to do the best you could to keep them. But like they were a little bit more expendable. So I just wasn't so worried about, you know, losing a couple units here and there. The other things that, that really were exciting to me through the reveal were the first of all that there was I mean I want to go back to that event system because as I was reading some of the previews they were talking about how like you know the event system could lead to like let's like say talk about the the one that they brought up was you know you might potentially encounter somebody selling slaves or captives or whatever and if you agree to take those prisoners off their hands for for whatever money or whatever or you fight them to free them then it changes the way that potentially like the settlements and stuff like that are going to be responding to you as, as you interact with them. And I think that was really cool. And of course that may lay, lead to, uh, you know, different options or different quests and stuff that come up later. But the other thing that really, really got me was that when they fast forwarded to turn 69, which I think is funny that they chose that turn number, but they chose turn 69 to, to fast forward to, and they were showing how basically as that, that group that they had, was starting to expand and starting to take over the land that it was slowly becoming this like snow covered land through the cryomancy spells that they were using and it was just it was just evolving right and the area around them was it was evolving to basically like almost like be more habit uh, hospitable for them and i thought that was great and it was it was a really again another way that i think that triumph studios is trying to figure out ways to make the game feel more fun as the game progresses because I, it just it changed the entire landscape of the the map and i oh man i can't tell you that the, there's just so many things about what i saw that i was just really excited about you know there's also it looks like they've they've brought over the empire mode from planetfall so instead of it being like you know you're going planet to planet it looks like you're like taking like magical warps to another land and doing that whole thing you know, yeah, the Pantheon system or Pantheon system, or sorry, Pantheon system that they were talking about. And, oh man. And then there's also a screenshot on the Steam, the Steam page itself that shows a clear, like, you know, it's almost like a culture tree or some sort of like skill tree that further hones in the type of person, the type of 
you know, race that you're, you're leading affinity tree is what they're calling it. Thanks Daz. So, I mean, God, I, I, I'm going to sit here and just wax poetic about a game that I've never even played before. It could suck and we could be really excited about nothing, but everything I saw just looked really good. And it really was, it clearly, it felt like the triumph studios had a, a finger on the pulse of what worked for age of wonders three, what worked for Planetfall, what really needs to change for Forex games. And I'm hoping that they pull us off because I mean, there's a lot of excitement and, and I just, I want to see it succeed. Yeah, I was also really excited to see that kind of environmental changing thing as well. What I think Age of Wonders series really needs, and Planet 4 was a real step in this direction, I think, is a way to bring the player into the Fantasy 4X style of things. This is something that Fallen Enchantress Legendary Heroes did really well because it had an excellent kind of quest system that was kind of optional, but also was well written and there was loads of it as well. So it, it kind of didn't get boring unless you played the game a lot, right? And you start to see them over and over. But I think that Fantasy 4X really needs some more RPG elements. And I think Age of Wonders always did the character development stuff really well. But I think that this new way of drawing the player in by, yeah, having this kind of environmental change going on where you can cast spells in order to change the landscape, where you can kind of modify your race, you know, and turn them into these kind of frostling orcs or whatever. This is the kind of stuff that makes Stellaris really interesting. I think that adding stuff like that into the game, providing that it is well-balanced with the rest of the game mechanics and it's not just superfluous and kind of skin deep, then yeah, I'm all for it. And I think that this could be the depth that the Age of Wonders series needs. Because as I see it more as a tactics game with a sort of 4X layer on top of it. And I think that if they start you know, increasing the depth of gameplay within the, tr- the strategic layer, it's going to make that transition finally into a really, really full-fledged Fantasy 4X title you know, with the full RPG elements and all the stuff that we kind of expect from those games ever since Master of Magic. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's uh, like everything that uh, both you know Ben and Rob have been sort of saying. It's it is some, one of those things where it, it's going to be much more immersive. I think uh, with the choices that the player actually makes. The thing I was really interested in actually was uh, if you I don't know if you've read the dev diary that they just put up as well on the same day, but the um, but Leonard actually had mentioned in there that almost Planetfall was almost like a test of what they could actually introduce and what different sort of systems could be put into a game. And so they were using that almost as a gauge, I think, to sort of see what what would work and what wouldn't work, just based on what he sort of had said in, in their dev diary, which means that, and because I was, I don't know about you guys, but I was really surprised at how innovative they've made Age of Wonders 4 compared to Planetfall. Like there was, even though there was a, a callback to, for example, the province system or the territory system, it was there, but not in the same way that it was in Planetfall. I was seriously just expecting Age of Wonders 4 would literally just be Planetfall made for fantasy. And I'm really impressed that they didn't just do that. And I would have been happy with that, to be honest. I would have been very happy with just a, a, a Planetfall with a, with a fantasy setting. Because so many of the other games that we sort of see by different companies try to just reuse the model that they've already got. You know, there's so many games where they've got, particularly if they go space and fantasy, they try to make use of the same engine and it often doesn't work as effectively. But I think that what they've done... To go from Age of Wonders 3 to Planetfall and in- introduce so many new concepts in that game and then to really have a really good look at, at both systems and think, how do we make the best system for Age of Wonders 4? Like, I was, I was super impressed with that approach. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, this other thing that there's, there's a few things that just weren't really revealed yet, I guess you could say, that I still am a little eager to see because I saw their diplomacy screen and it looked a little bit, I mean, should I say just like, you know, bare bones or 
rudimentary. And I'm hoping that they take that same level of ingenuity and creative thought and apply it to the diplomacy system because I've always thought that diplomacy in Forex games was either just boring as hell or just completely worthless. So I'm hoping that they can do something with that and make it a little bit more fun. I did like that the like opposing heroes were looking at each other and that looked pretty cool. But I mean, I'm hoping to see something where we might see some of the events and stuff like that, or even some of the evolutions. I don't know, just the, the way that they're doing things. I'm just hoping that somehow also bleeds over into diplomacy and changes that and makes it a little bit more fun. Actually, if I can, if I can just ask you guys a question, uh, what did you like when they were when they brought Planet Fall out? They they had this. You could argue this exactly the same thing that diplomacy was pretty ho hum uh, all the way through. But the uh, the interesting thing I sort of found is that when they actually had brought through, oh, I mean, it was one of the free updates? They actually brought in the the, the secret traits uh, with the different heroes, and so the AI would come in. That they come in with a constructed race or constructed constructed hero, and then they also had like two hidden traits, and you didn't know whether they're going to be xenophobic or, you know, what whatever the trait might actually be, whether they're going to be sort of more secretive. And so it was always random every time you played it. But what it did mean was that when you actually had the t- diplomacy, you had to consider those secret traits. When you first come across the, the the AI player, you didn't actually know what they were. And so and then that would then push their personality. And I found that the even though the diplomacy system was fairly simple in Planetfall, I found it really engaging because of those secret traits. Did you guys have a similar uh, outlook on that? Oh, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was actually reminded of that as I was talking. And I loved that system because, I mean, you started to get a feel for what people were or like their secret traits based on their like text interactions with you, you know, if you, if they started reacting in a certain way, you're like, okay, all right, these guys are xenophobic or whatever. And, you know, but that's, that's just the thing, right? Like as you would normally, I mean, like, I'm not trying to get like, who if, if it was real life, but like, if you are interacting with someone that you've never interacted with before, as you discuss things more with them and you, you know, propose things, you would start to get a feel for their personality traits. And I loved that about Planetfall and it, you're right. It was a free update. And, I just thought that that was a great system that made, you know, what you, like you said, a rudimentary diplomacy system much more engaging at some level because, you know, it was kind of fun to figure out who was what. And sometimes it would throw you off. You know, you'd, you'd meet a, another group of Kirko and, you you know, you, as the Kirko, you'd think, all right, well, they're, they're going to be friendly towards me. But no, they're xenophobic and they hate you too. So, you know, and, and it was a, a surprise because you would eventually figure that out. And I, if they bring something like that over into Age of Wonders 4, I, I just... <sighs> I'm just sounding like such a fanboy already about a game that I've never played before. But if they bring it over, I I don't know what can beat that in my mind. Like from everything I've seen, I just I need I need a diplomacy system that that feels somewhat engaging, even if it's not like super engaging. If it's something like that, if they brought over the secret traits like that, that would be enough for me. And heaven help me. Yeah, so I think that that upgrade to the diplomacy really made a difference in Age of Wonders because it kind of went from you know, that kind of standard 4X diplomacy system that we see in every game to something that kind of worked better for the side of diplomacy that kind of originally it was added to these games, right? So there's a couple of things that diplomacy does in 4X games. One is that it gives you a way to interact with the AI to kind of like manipulate them in a little way in in order to kind of get things that you want out of them. But the other thing as a game design element is it kind of makes the AI feel like a player rather than just playing against a you know a computer and the immersion side of that is really really important some games are better than others in incorporating those diplomatic interactions 
into the core mechanics of the game. So, for example, Master of Orion, the original, is a perfect example of that. That was core to the gameplay. Uh, you know, the, the diplomacy really was the key to winning. And so, you know, it kind of tied in really, really tightly with the rest of the game mechanics. But I think that this new ad- addition that they brought into Planetfall really added that extra level of immersion. Like Daz and Rob were just saying, you know, you had these characters that you couldn't really predict and you had to spend a bit of time talking to them in order to get these traits out of them. I actually went back and played Planetfall the other day for the first time in months. And I, I usually get about halfway through a map of Planetfall and then kind of get bored. I don't know why. I, d- I don't think it's a boring game. It's just that I've got too much, too many games. And you've got to commit to a game of Planetfall, right? But I played that the other night and I was playing for hours and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I noticed that about the diplomacy, that it is way more engaging now. It gives the Age of Wonders kind of vibe um, a little bit more personality. And if they can translate that into Age of Wonders 4... I don't know how they'll do it. I get the impression from what Daz was noticing that they're not just carbon copying, you know, mechanics from uh, Age of Age of Wonders Planetfall into this one. It seems like they've used that as a base to build in new systems. So let's hope that they do something, you know, like a little bit different that will tie into this kind of, you know, the quest system and some of the other things, you know, like the, the alignment, you know, they've got the good, evil, chaotic and uh, lawful sort of access now as well. So, yeah, let's see what they can do with that. Actually, I had another question for you guys as well. Like, uh, I guess with Age of Wonders One, Age of Wonders Two, they used a um, that matrix like from uh, from Dungeons and Dragons. Will we let us mention Dungeons and Dragons now? Does that mean that all the, the podcast is then taken off away from us? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the um, with that, you know how they have uh, like in Dungeons and Dragons, they have order uh, order neutral chaos on one scale. Then they have on another on the other side they've got good neutral evil, and so you end up with this uh, this matrix of like uh, it can be chaotic good chaotic evil type type sort of situation, and that used to be a feature of Age of Wonders one and Age of Wonders two, which I actually really quite liked. And when they brought Age of Wonders three out, they dropped all of that, which I actually felt at the time was a mistake. In the end, I didn't mind that it was gone, but I've noticed that they've brought that back now. So the affinities. So they've got order, they've got chaos, so they've got two different dichotomies there, plus a whole, plus a few other little things as well mixed in with that. And then they've also got on top of that a whole veneer with the good and evil system as well, which they still did have sort of in um, eventually in Age of Wonders 3, which they didn't actually handle very well, I've got to say. There was often you'd be playing against AI that didn't know that they were evil and that they were getting good units, and so the good units would then leave them all the time. And I'm hoping that they fix up those sorts of AI issues, which I think that they will. But overall, I'm sort of really quite happy to see that Matrix-type system come back. It's certainly much looser than what it was in Age of Wonders 1 or 2. But do you guys have any thoughts on that whole affinity system where they've actually now got so many different ways of actually pushing the game into different directions? Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't really play Age of Wonders 1 or 2 enough to really be able to comment because I don't really remember. I've played Age of Wonders 1 a little bit in retrospect and I really like it actually, but um, I didn't really play Shadow Magic yet, so um, I can't really comment on that. I don't really, I, I remember in Age of Wonders 3 the system and it seemed it had, I think the alignment had some effect on your interactions with people and some of the decisions that you took, you know, regarding letting, uh, you know, killing certain creatures or letting them run from you, which was in Planetfall as well. But I don't really remember, to be honest with you, does. Yeah, I'm the same way. It's been so long since I've played Age of, the original few Age of Wonders. I, I don't normally, I mean, shoot, I don't remember what happened yesterday, let alone what happened 20 years ago. So any system like that's going to, of course, hopefully bring, like you said, replayability and stuff like that. I just, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just seems like they've taken everything from the previous iterations of the series to 
to like to to better effect and i'm improved on it in the old games like in age of wonders one and two they used the system the good neutral evil that like your race always started off that way so the orcs were always evil the elves were always good and uh so you had these these different like the, the different factions never ever changed their their alignments and so when you were doing diplomacy, you only ever could actually make friends with other goods or uh, the neutrals had a little bit of leeway with the good and the evil. They could actually switch one way or another, but they never, ever changed. When they brought in Age of Wonders 3, and I forget when they sort of did bring in the good and evil sort of aspect to it, but they uh, but that then changed things. Um, it made it more nuanced because, uh, like, which I didn't like at the start, I quite liked the old way of that it. it was just simple, to, like it wasn't even diplomacy. If you were an elf and took over a dwarven city, that was okay because I think they were both good from memory. So you could actually make use of that particular city. But if you took over a, a neutral, you could sort of make it work. But if you took over an evil, you had to destroy the city. And so I, I didn't – like, I, in the end, I preferred the Age of Wonders 3 system because the actual diplomacy was a little bit more nuanced than Age of Wonders 1 and 2. But that was how they used the, the good-evil sort of system in that particular one. But the affinity system – I think in Age of Wonders 4, as I say, it looks to be much, much more fleshed out. Like Order and Chaos are just two of the affinities. There's, I think there were six affinities. I forget what the others actually all were. But the, the but Chaos and, and Order were, were two of the opposing ones. I think there was Nature. Uh, I think there was Mechanics, things like that. So it was quite interesting. Yeah, you, that's refreshing my memory, actually. I remember that now. So, yeah, I mean, it's all great stuff. I'm really excited for it. I think that it's easily one of the biggest Fantasy 4, or actually just Forex releases in in a long time and i love seeing that kind of fervor among the community among you know even just the the youtube community the explorate community the age of wonders community i saw just so much excitement and that was really fun to see and i'm telling you like i we've talked about this before but i'm i really believe 2023 might be going down as one of the best years for video games ever and that includes strategy games in so many ways so I'm I'm really excited about the year, and I have shit. There's like that wasn't even on our radar. Like I I honestly did not think Age of Wonders four would be coming out in 2023, but now it is, and now it looks fantastic. I mean, can you can you really think of many years that were like this? And and I I, and and on top of that, well, I just want to get into it soon here. I'm gonna give Ben a chance to talk to in a second. But you know, we also have games that are already there that will hopefully improve and maybe come back to them and feel like they're contenders now too. So those being Galsev 4, I think there's some real real decent meat on the bones there that sounds like Brad and the company are very aware of how to fix and make better. And then, of course, Distant Worlds 2, which I, I, I really want to get into here in a second. But before that, Ben has one thing to say. Yeah, so we were talking about this last time when Jesse was on the podcast, but we've got Conquest of EO coming out too, the uh, Spellforce turn-based tactical game by... Uh, I want to say it was the guys who did Fantasy General 2, which is an amazing game. Owned by Gravity. Owned by Gravity. And that is looking up to be a really, really good game. And uh, there, there is some similarity with Age of Wonders. Do you think they're different enough that they're not going to compete with each other, Rob? I think so. Very much so. I think that Spellforce is much more of a role-playing game with 4X elements. Whereas, I mean, of course, Age of Wonders 4 looks more, way more classical 4x with some rpg elements so and there you know there's it's a mix between i mean the the spellforce game is much more of a mix of like thea and 4x and fantasy 
So, you know, I actually was going to pose this question and I meant to, and I just, you know, just quickly before we move on, I wonder if you guys think that there's enough room for the three games really being Spellforce, the Master of Magic reboot, and Age of Wonders 4. I mean, the pessimist in me and the one that thinks that, you know, the hot new hotness there is way more exciting saw Age of Wonders 4 and completely forgot that Master of Magic exists. And I honestly don't, I feel an excitement and and fervor for this new iteration of Age of Wonders that I never felt for the Master of Magic reboot. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Is that going to be the death knell for the new reboot? I don't think so. I get the, I get asked this a lot since the um, since the actual launch uh, came out, and uh, I think that Master of Magic uh, scratches a couple of itches. It, it scratches a nostalgic itch where people actually because it is a very very good reboot of the original game. So I think that that is actually like so. I think that there's nostalgia around it, but also if you were trying to let's just say you had someone that was sort of like fifty fifty about committing a lot of time to a strategy game, a fantasy strategy game, um, would you recommend? the complexity of an Age of Wonders game, or would you recommend almost the simplicity of a Master of Magic game? So I feel that Master of Magic really does fit right into that uh, sort of entry-level through to medium-level strategy game. Uh, It's not super complex, but there's a lot of complexity in there, but you don't have to learn a lot to actually get in and enjoy the game. Whereas a game like uh, Age of Wonders, I think actually then does actually have, uh, it takes it to another level. So I think they actually sit on different plateaus, essentially, of the, in this, within the same genre. And I think that a lot of these games actually do sort of work. Like you've look at, you look at the other great games around it. Would you, would you say that Dominions competes with Age of Wonders? And I would say no. Deity Empires with Age of Wonders, a little bit, but it's still, you know, it still is its own entity. I think they all actually sort of fit separately in that sort of sense. And I haven't had a, like a lot of people have actually been recommending Spell Force to me, but I haven't actually seen it yet. So I'm l- looking forward to seeing what that one brings as well. But I, I think there's room for all of them, to be honest. You know, it's funny you mention this because <laughs> as soon as Age of Wonders 4 was really uh, announced, I immediately thought, oh boy, poor Spell Force, because I think it will be overshadowed by Age of Wonders 4 because... Okay, let me let me just interject real quick. I mean, I am just because I completely disagree. I actually think that people who are waiting for Age of Wonders 4 are going to jump into Spell Force in, in an attempt to like satiate that desire before Age of Wonders. Because I think... When I is really Spell Force... Sorry, when is Spell Force release? Is it February? Soon. Really oh, soon. March. I th- mm-hmm. He said quarter one, and I think that he he made it clear in the Discord and their their forums that it's there's going to be a wide berth between Spellforce and Age of Wonders four. I think that a lot of people are going to pick it up in hopes of like scratching that itch. I really yeah. Do. I mean, as long as it's not exactly the same time, then it's fine. But yeah, I I was a bit worried about it um, because you've Age of Wonders has, has had you know so many iterations and there's much more fans. Whilst this Spellforce is not like the other Spellforce games, I'm not sure how many of the RTS Spellforce guys will be interested in now a turn-based game. I don't know. Yeah, so to uh, answer the question, I think that Daz pretty much summed up how I feel. I think that Master of Magic is its own niche. I think it was there, it was made in order to to provide a kind of 
fresher update for that old formula. It's very, very close to the original game. It's it's so close as to be almost exactly the same. It's not quite, but it's, you know, for, for a new player, they're not going to really see a lot of difference. You really have to know the games relatively well in order to kind of start seeing where Muhar's version differentiates. So I don't I don't think they're going to be competing. The other thing that's really good about Master of Magic, which which does touched on, is that the tactical combat in Master of Magic is really fast and it's quite nuanced. I actually think there's a little bit more complexity in, in Master of Magic than Daz give, is giving it credit for. And I know that you didn't say it was simple, Daz, but I think um, to compare the two, Age of Wonders has got a steeper learning curve by, by you know, definitely at the start in order to learn how to play because it's brutally difficult. But Master of Magic's not easy either. And I think that to really get good at Master of Magic, it actually takes quite a long time. There's a lot of work. It's not work, but there's a lot of play time involved because there are so many builds, particularly if you're playing on a more difficult difficulty setting, that you have to be aware of, you know, certain tricks that the AI can use in order to, that, that it's going to bring to you, uh, that you can lose a lot before you start winning. So, yeah, I think that they are very different games. They're, they've got a completely different pacing. The fact that the tactical combat in Master of Magic is so much quicker it will relieve some of like what Drexy was talking about, where he kind of gets fatigued. I, I also get that issue with the Age of Wonders. Actually, sometimes when I've I've played four or five big battles in Age of Wonders three, I can't I can't really be bothered to play anymore because I feel like I've had my gaming fix then. And you don't really get that so much with Master of Magic because the battles are so much shorter. I don't think that it's going to compete with Conquest of EO either. It, from what little I've seen, they seem like quite different games actually. Well, we'll see. I think that it's pretty wild to you know. It's weird that that I feel like these games are on the same cycle. Like all these games, a lot of the Space Forex games and Fantasy Forex games seem to be on the same release cycles. Every four or five years, they all compete with each other. But uh, anyway, so you know what? Let's get into Distant Worlds 2 because I want Das to tell me how to what, how to like it. And that's that's uh, that's your job now, Daz. How do I like it? <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, that's a hard one, actually. It's, like, I still think it was the best game of last year. I, I guess, you know, like people were expecting me to say Dwarf Fortress, but I still think that it was a much more polished game uh, in the end, uh, Distant Worlds 2. I think that whether, you know, with these sort of games, like particularly when you're talking uh, simulation-type games more than – they're not really a strategy game. It's much more of a simulation and I do feel that when you're dealing with a simulation game, I, the way I look at Distant Worlds and the way I look at Dwarf Fortress as well is it's a story generator first and a strategy game second. And so I try not to force the strategy aspect of it too much, but still try to use strategic elements to then get what I want out of the story. And so for me, I like the I like that it presents different scenarios. You don't know what those scenarios will be because the whole galaxy is sort of moving around you at that point in time. You know, it's a very rich galaxy, uh, the way it sort of is. Well, I think where it will end up eventually, and I'm trying to think back to like the first Distant Worlds and comparing that to the you know, Distant Worlds 2. So forgetting about Distant Worlds Universe, which was extremely fleshed out by the time it actually had sort of you know, matured, Distant Worlds 2 is the, the, first, the first step on that process again. I feel very heartened where the game has got to, and I think it's become much more stable. I'm liking the changes that they're making to the game. It probably hasn't gone as fast as I would have liked those changes to make. Uh, one thing I'm really looking forward to is actually how they handle modding, which they haven't really addressed yet. And I think that that's a big, big problem with the game at the moment is the lack of moddability. Uh, well, it's, it, it can be modded, but it's just difficult. And so for me, though, the, the overall approach with, um, with Distant Worlds, same as with Distant Worlds 1, is to actually see it as a story first and that you're actually more just watching a story develop and then sort of interject just where you need to rather than trying to play the game. And I think people who play the game, like with Dwarf Fortress, you you know, you play the game and uh, you just get frustrated because you're trying to min-max everything all the time. And I think that those games, they lose a little bit when you, when you play it that way. I don't know if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think uh, for me, well, <laughs> the launch kind of was quite disappointing for me. I was like so excited for it. But, um, I mean, we kind of covered on the previous podcast where f- for me, where it is at the moment is it, uh, it's a step back from the original at the moment. Now, I'll preface that and say I know in the end they will get there, but for the time being, it just needs so much more content for me to go back and play that game because I played the original so much. So it's, for me, it's sort of a step back, especially the the lack of races. And as Daz said as well, mods, you know, I think, I think modders can see a lot of things that sometimes developers can't because they're so um, ingrained into their idea. Now, if they start adding really good mod support, maybe the design team can look at that and say, wow, okay, that is actually a good... They see a working example of what the players are thinking rather than someone just putting an idea on a forum which is untested with modding. You can actually test these ideas. So, yeah, I think modding support will be really important and just more content. I, As Daz says, I, I see it as a good base for them to work on, but for me, I think it's going to be a couple of years until it's going to be in a really good state, which, to be honest, the, the original game was exactly the same. We And, yeah, we've got to remember that this is a very, very small team and it's just going to take time. So if they release any DLC, even if I'm not going to play it, uh, I, will, I will start buying the DLC in anticipation just to support the development more uh, of the game because I know they will get there in the end. But currently, for me, I, I struggle to play it as well. Yeah, I'm... A little nervous that they're not going to make it a few years. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what the the financial like return is on a game like this, but I just feel like you know, even though they are small, I just I don't think there was as many buyers as they probably expected. I know that they invested a lot in like the the new engine, and you know, I mean, of course, there's all that dev time too. I'm super nervous that they they need to kind of hit it out the park soon. Or they're just not going to be able to continue. I don't know though because this is the original, the exact same start with the original, especially because the price was so high when it was on Matrix only. It kind of it started off rough, and then as each uh, expansion came out, it built more and more of a fan base. So they, I think they sold way more of this than they ever did of at least before Universe came out with the original Distant Worlds. So I think as long as they keep improving the game and the fan base, it's, it's one of those games that it wasn't a big hit, but over time it grew and grew and grew and grew more fans and people started speaking about it more. I think you're going to see the same thing with Distant Worlds 2, where I think they're not pressured to earn a mega bucks like a Paradox game or something. So it's going to be... It's, it's, I think Matrix will be stupid to drop it early because i think it will be one of the, i mean they do very niche games I, I i don't think they will drop it early so i know they're moving more and more into uh more popular games with stuff like starship troopers and june and, and battle sector as well but i think it's going to be one of those games like the original where over time it's going to just get more and more fans and it's going to be something that sells more units over its lifetime rather than what you get where you get a massive peak of people buy a game when it comes out and then suddenly that sort of tells off really fast. 
Yeah, so a couple of points. I think that it probably did sell reasonably well. That's the impression that I got just from kind of loitering around various forums and things. Um, so I also, you have to remember that this is Eric Rutins, who is one of the, he is the like director. He's one of the directors of Slytherin and uh, Matrix. So he's really high up in, in the company. And this is his like pet project. It's his baby project that he's putting a lot of time and effort into, I think. Uh, yeah, he spends a lot of time, you know, actually working. Like if you, if you see what's going on in the beta, you know, the closed beta forum, Eric's constantly, constantly in- engaging with the beta testers, you know, talking about the game all the time. I, I think he must spend a lot of time on this game. And so I really, really want it to succeed because I like Eric. He's really, he's really cool. He's a really cool guy. So. I think it's done okay. Uh, it's obviously done all right that they're, you know, they're able to start thinking about things like DLC and stuff. And I, I'm not going to say too much on Distant Worlds because um, I, I think I feel like we spoke about it in the last two podcasts quite a lot. However, I was sick as a parrot last time and I wasn't able to really collect my thoughts. So I want to just very quickly outline um, an issue I think with Distant Worlds that's really holding it back for a lot of the fan base of the previous game. And I want to add a caveat that I think that a lot of the criticism that I've seen coming from uh, returning players uh, might be a little bit tinted with rose-tinted goggles because I think a lot of the issues that people, are t- some people are talking about with Distant Worlds 2, they're actually still issues in Distant Worlds Universe. If you go back and play that game, it's got all the same, it's got many of the same problems because they're design floor issues, in my opinion. Um, however, that doesn't mean it's a bad game. And... Uh, the the best criticism that I have seen so far, and it's something that I'm starting to see now in Distant Worlds 2 now, the more that I'm playing it, is the game, and Daz has just, has just kind of like tacitly said this, the game really, really shoehorns you into playing automatically. And I find that, that in this one, way more than in Distant Worlds Universe, I'm playing on auto pretty much the entire game. Like Daz said, I really feel like I'm watching a story and I'm only interacting at certain points. And uh, because the game mechanics have really shoehorned you into this automated style of play, which I really didn't do in Distant Worlds Universe. I've got to be honest, I used to manually control like so much. There's so much less to do manually that I think it's a real turnoff for a lot of original players. So Code Force need to look at this um, because at the moment, it's if you like playing with the automated style and seeing it as a sort of colony simulation, you know, as a, as a kind of an ant farm game where you can, you know, make strategic decisions, it's really good still. It's a really good game. It's way better than Distant Worlds Universe. The combat's way better. Uh, the ship designer is way better now, in my personal opinion. But there's less of those moments where you're like, hmm. I want to make a space station over in the far out galaxy. I'm going to put a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it a refueling station, but I'm also going to make it like a monitoring station. You just don't really have that in this one. Uh, it, it's just, there's some, you, you really kind of like shoehorned into a certain kind of play style. The other thing is, and this is an issue with Distant World Universe as well. So it's not, this is a game thing, a game design issue, is that there's a lot of detail in the game, but when you start tinkering with it, kind of a lot of it doesn't add up the numbers don't all add up there's certain weird things that just don't seem to make sense like where does tourism income come from nobody can figure it out <laughs> uh, you know that, like it, there's so many there's so many little janky things when you start peering into the detail of distant worlds that don't really work and it was like that in distant worlds universe as well that, that, like trying if you're a min max man trying to figure out how distant worlds works you're going to go crazy so i think that it really is best enjoyed as daz is saying you know kind of playing this sort of sandbox game where you are taking these decisions because if you're the sort of guy who likes to micromanage the colony levels you know the, the the levels of materials on the colonies or you're trying to figure out which you know which which um asteroids to mine first because you need specific uh, you know type of economy you know you need a certain kind of resource well you don't you, the, the resources don't matter that much uh, at least until later in the game when you're at war 
And, you know, it, there's no point in, um, in manual colony management because the automation can do it far better than you anyway. And what is the point? Because there's, you never run out of resources anyway, really, apart from Caslon sometimes. So it, this is kind of what I mean. It's like you when you start peering into the details of the game, you kind of start realizing that and, and apart from in specialized situations, a lot of it doesn't really matter. And that bugs me because it's a real wasted opportunity. I think that if the game had a better resource economy um, in the sense that you've got all these different resources, but like if you could trade them and if you, you know, like for example, with a game like uh, Imperium's Greek Wars, where the, that's got an amazing economy because the economy is tied into the diplomacy and it, and wars break out over it. So if you, and also like, if you like just with distant worlds, right, if you've not got enough steel, you can't build ships. The problem is that steel is so like easy to get that unless you're really really pumping out loads of stuff you're going to run into a money problem before you run into a resources problem like 90 percent of the time apart from the start of the game and a game like distant a game like imperiums where the resources are more unevenly distributed so your 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 neighbor might have steel i want steel so i've got to trade with him um, I could go to war with him to get it. Oh no, I can't because I haven't got enough steel because I can't. So I can't build any ships, and that starts creating more interesting dynamic relationships between the players in the game. Do you see what I mean? So I think that just with a few things like code force please add a, a slider that can change the distribution of resources i know it's going to break the game a bit but we've got to try because it's that kind of interaction that is going to make it's going to turn the game from being a sort of uh, ant colony simulator where you can kind of like you know take you know do make certain decisions into a game where people can really plan out this crazy empire that they want to make rather than just let it sit on auto because at the moment letting it sit on auto just seems to be the default way to play yeah, I, look, I think they're really good points, Ben. It's uh, I think that uh, the resources are important at the start of the game and then they become an unimportant very, very quickly, uh, and I think that that has to be addressed at some point. I also think that uh, what you were mentioning there about uh, letting the AI sort of control things like colonies, for example, colonies I find to be a bit of a problem because colonies actually do end up essentially, you know, like they don't make a lot of sense, as you sort of say. So these are areas that I think that will need to be addressed. And I think that all the points you're sort of making about Eric and Elliot sort of essentially with, you know, a very small team of people sort of doing it, it's, um, it is a it, it is a passion project for, for everyone involved, really, including the players. But I, I do agree with you. I think that those points, particularly the resources, colonies, those sorts of aspects, those sort of game mechanics don't really they – need, they need to be better fleshed out. I always also sort of thought that I've always wanted the game to have – like instead of it, uh, you actually knowing or not knowing – text right at the very start of the game i would love to see a more of a a random distribution of the amount of the tech that you've actually got in the research for me it's just not quite where it needs to be and i i, I hope that once again with if with, when modding comes if those sorts of things can be opened up that'd be awesome i think that it's really important to give distant worlds to the credit also to give code force the credit where it's due there are certain systems in distant worlds that's way better in than in universe the combat system is way better now if we had more manual better manual control and better pathfinding on the on these ships the uh the, the combat system is really good fun and you know i like the ship designer i spent i still spent ages in it just trying to figure out all these different ship types i really really like the ship designer i think it needs a bit of tweaking but it's really really good uh there's there's so much to like in this game so i'm not I'm not crapping on the game. I think that there's some core issues that they need to address uh, that will take the game from being a good game into an excellent one. And I think that that's what it needs. It needs to be an excellent game in order to bring those original players back. And at the moment, it's kind of a good game. 
So, you know, let's see what they do. But a little bird tells me that there are some interesting changes coming into the game that are going to start making things a little bit more varied. So, um, yeah, I think that we're going to see some interesting changes coming in. Yeah, I'll would, I would just reiterate uh, what you guys have said. That uh, yeah, I agree with most of your points. That yeah, the the game does so well on on all are in many things that you just don't feel the need to do it anymore, which has taken a large part of the game away. Um, yeah, I agree with the resources. I'm not smart enough to know why, but it's not. They're not as important. A lot of them are not as important as they are in the original. And I don't understand why Kazlon now is the only fuel type, which I'm not sure what the idea was behind that as well. Yeah, me too. That was a real mistake, I think. Um, I, I, there must be a game mechanic reason or an engine reason they've done that. Maybe an AI thing, I don't know. But I think that was a real mistake that they took that out. Um, I think that you know the, it's it's kind of reduced the need now for the different hyperdrives. They, they do have different numbers in them, but I liked it when it, they there was like different resources that you could get yeah i completely disagree with that i think that having one fuel source means that you can then uh, wage economic war uh much more effectively than you could in universe it's one of the one of the th- think one of the b- big important things with the game is to be able to uh when you're attacking an em- enemy you've got to think about uh, where's where's their caslon supply coming from for, for a long war can you control it? Can you actually get to start to build your own mining stations on those things? If you've got to then look at Kazlon and hydrogen, uh, it just sort of, it for me, it weakens the overall economic war aspect. Uh, like I've loved Distant Worlds 2 where you actually end up, you know, you wait until you've actually got the ability to go and destroy every single one of their Kazlon supplies and build your own mining stations, then make peace with them, and then they have to buy all their Kazlon off you. And so that, for me, is a really, really good way of playing. It means that they... It really starves the the enemies uh, when you actually do that. So I, I like just having one aspect you've got to focus on in terms of the um, in terms of the fuel. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, everything was pretty spot on with this whole discussion. I I think that the, the main takeaways are that they have to do something about resource scarcity, and you know the the rest of it will come. And there's some balance issues, of course, but I think that those are all things that I think will be addressed. And as Ben kind of hinted at here, there are some things in the works that we're aware of that we can't really talk about that will address some of the issues that we have with the game. You know, and I'll say too, just as my last little point, my personal addition to this discussion is that I've always been a huge proponent of asymmetry within races. And I thought that the the original game did something unique with that and that each of the races had their own victory goals and that's of course carried over but i always want to see more and that's something that i don't see in the base game of distant worlds universe i'm sorry distant worlds 2 lord and i'm hoping to see because i think that the times have changed right i think that games like stellaris like endless space 2 like galsiv even have pushed that asymmetry forward and planetfall if we want to talk about you know terrestrial games but all of them have made a real effort in making each of you know each of the factions each playthrough rather asymmetric, right? And of course, you can tweak those based on how you want to build your civilization and so on and so forth. But you know the the base version or the like you know the intended playthrough of a particular faction in a lot of these forex games now feel asymmetric, and I need that in my games. I need that to to feel good about things, <laughs> to enjoy myself. You know, I mean, it goes back to games like Sword of the Stars where they had very specific 
preferences for their technology trees and I mean how they even had their own warps and stuff like that, which I thought Solar should have kept, but we won't get into that. So yeah, those those kind of things. I would love to see like new warp types for factions. I would love to see very unique technologies for each of them, very unique gameplay orientations. And I feel like that's something that could happen. And I'm I'm hoping that that's something that they they really focus on as the game moves forward and as they begin to add new races. And of course, they they need to do that with the, the existing races as well, too. So that's my point. I think this discussion was great. I'll let you guys make your last few points and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I agree with Daz. Modding needs to be put in ASAP because a lot of this stuff can be alleviated via modders, especially if it's easier for them. Do they want modders to be able to add a whole bunch of races if they've going to release them as DLC possibly? I don't know. But, yeah, stuff like the resource stuff, um, drive types, stuff like that is something that modders can sort of throw their ideas into the hat and maybe the base game can then take it on. So, yeah, I think uh, modding support right now would sort of help speed up the development of the game. Yeah, that's basically all I have to say. But, yeah, looking forward to what's coming down the pipeline. I'm going to actually push back on that a little bit. I really don't think that they should add modding until the game's nearly done. And the reason being is because when you do that, right, players start getting, you know, modding the game in all sorts of kind of crazy ways. And every time there's an update to the base game, they all get upset because all the mods get broken. Um, So I'm a really, I'm a proponent of finish the game first. And if it's still not good, then mod. Uh, But that's just me. That's just a little bugbear that I've got about modding. Um, I really love modding in games contrary to what i sometimes claim but what i really don't like is when people when the mod when the demand for modding starts messing a game's development up it really bugs me because i see it happening quite a lot um that's just my opinion um daz before we finish because we've got you on as a guest i'm really keen for you to give us some recommendations for games that you're excited about for this year to to, for us to go out and check out oh wow it's, uh, there's so many actually it's um, as Robert said before the, he, like this is probably going to be one of these I think we're in a golden era not just a golden year I think t- 2022 was an exceptional year for games and I think 2023 is going to be even better like what Robert sort of mentioned earlier in the podcast there's so many I think you can look at any of the hooded horse games and uh, and just put a tick next to pretty much any of their games that are coming out this year and there's a lot coming out I'm even forgetting the names of them um, Microprose has got a fair few games coming out Slytherin's got like some amazing games coming out like with uh, I'm really looking forward to Field of Glory uh, Kingdoms uh, that's going to be awesome I, like that's one of my most anticipated games of the year um, I, mean, I mean you look at uh, microprose has just brought out second front which uh, is basically what's well, coming out at the end of end of january but i've got the the version of that that's an awesome game there's so many dlcs coming out as well for different games like you look at shadow empire with the dlc that'll be hitting pretty soon uh, distant worlds you know sort of got other content as you guys have sort of hinted about which we're all under ndas except for drexy <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> you're still sore that you're not in that beta aren't you mate <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> so yeah this i don't know like it's it's one of those things where, like trying to pick one or two games is really really tough you know like it's sort of uh Zephon. um Zephon. sorry what was that Zephon. 
<laughs> Zephon. <laughs> oh, Zephon, yes. Well, of course, we, you've got the, the developers of Gladius, you know, like um, that's another great game as well. Like there's just so many in the in the pipeline and they're, they're going to be coming pretty thick and fast. So, yeah, there's just there's just a heap, a heap of them. I, I meant to get a list together actually before coming on the podcast because Ben had mentioned, you know, what games you're looking forward to. And it was like there's just too many. Like there's just way, way too many. Yeah, I think I think 4X releases last year was a bit – like there, there was – there was some disappointments, but there was also some interesting stuff. But like general games, like if you ask Jesse from Explominate, he'll tell you that last year was one of the best games we've ever had, one of the best years we've ever had for tactics games. And he's saying that this year is looking even better. So I, I think that in general, gaming, yeah, we are, I agree, Daz, that we're in a golden age, especially now we're through this kind of post-pandemic period where like games were getting delayed games were games were being released prematurely i mean we didn't even cover half of these games last year but there was there was a bunch of games that came out last year that were in development for ages that came out and you know with a bit of work they were really good like warhammer 3 was is a really good game now uh, mountain blade bannerlord is a really really good game now there's there's loads of them so i mean there's stuff that we don't even really cover so many games so i, I think that yeah the future's looking bright if you're a, if you're a a strategy gamer or a forex gamer or a tactics gamer so yeah um let's uh, let's finish off hey eh, rob actually before you guys do can i just ask one quick question uh like i don't know if you watched the uh, the slytherin uh, podcast that was, uh, sort of broadcast the other day but they mentioned that there's only one more dlc coming for field of glory have you guys like i know that some of you like i think you played that a bit ben but only one yeah. more dlc i was actually quite sad to hear that so um yeah, we you know we've got a whole lot of new games coming. We've got like a, a franchise which is sort of uh, winding up. Which uh, yeah, I'm I am I'm wondering what's coming next. But I, I think that I think as a community we've got to sort of acknowledge what um, what Field of Glory has brought to the table. Which the, Field of Glory? All of them, all <laughs> medieval. Of um, Medieval's finished. There's no more DLC coming for that. And really? Field of Glory Ancients has got one DLC coming, uh, which okay. will be coming pretty soon. And then that's it for Field of Glory too. Uh, there'll wow. still be Field of, Field of Glory Kingdoms, but no more Field of Glory 2. I wonder well, what they the plan is Field then. of Glory 3 then coming, surely. I mean, it's a massive game. Uh, this is more Richard York's um, area of expertise, so I need to talk to Richard about that because this is his kind of his what, what he plays a lot. But uh, I love Field of Glory 2. It's an amazing game. It's one of my favourite games. Uh, I, I know it's only sort of loosely a tactics game, but I, I, put, I put it up where with my, you know, it's in my top five tactics games or tactical war games if you want to call them that i think it's 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 up there in my top five it's so good so i'm quite surprised to hear that they're they're discontinuing dlcs for it i don't know if it maybe the developers have had enough or maybe they've got another game coming out i mean they might be moving they might be doing some you know something like send goku jidai uh the new version or uh you know pike and shot yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, I, I really like your breakdown that you did, Daz, a few about a month ago or a few weeks ago, where you were talking about the history of the Field of Glory games. If you've, if you're interested in this topic, go and watch Daz's chat tactic. And Daz will have to tell us when it was. It was probably about a month ago, but he went through in great detail talking about the history of that series and where it's come from. Uh, you know, from its board game backgrounds. Anyway, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm quite surprised to hear that about Field of Glory. It is a really, really good game. I need to play it more. It's just I've got too many games, but that's one of those games, I think I've said before, where I can play it anytime I play it, right? It's engaging right from the start, right until the end, and you never quite know who's going to win. So it, that's why I love it so much. It's just really, really exciting. Right, so to wrap this up, 
and and we will need to do that. <laughs> I do want to mention a couple things that I know that I've said this more than more than once. Like I, I with Drexy, you know, you're right. Zephon is probably at the top of my list for me. I really think it looks fantastic. I mean, Age of Wonders Planetfall, of course. I'm sorry, Age of Wonders Four being up there too now. Spellforce, Conquest of Eo, and then Aura History Untold, which has not been talked about enough. And I I know it's because no one's played it. Which one is this, Rob? Come on, tell us tell us more. Aura History Untold. It's Oxide Games who has made Ashes of Singularity, of the Singularity, which was published by Stardock, and now they have moved in, are now being published by Xbox and Microsoft. So this like very, very like well-funded historical 4X that is doing some very unique and different things that I can't really just talk about yet. I'm telling you, you guys need to be watching this game because it looks like a, if you guys go look at this, the screenshots, you're going to be like, wow, this looks beautiful, but there is more to it than just the beautiful graphics. And they are definitely trying to shake things up with the historical 4X formula. So keep an eye on that. It's Aura History Untold. And I'm telling you, there's going to be, I, I just, I don't understand how people aren't talking about it. Maybe it's because Look, they um, have Hold on, Rob. The reason people aren't talking about it because we've, unlike certain people who get all the inside information, it's only just been announced and there's been not really much said about it by the developers. So I know, I know. Of I course, know. we right, can't talk about it because we we can look at the screenshots and say, wow, that looks really cool and high production values. But as far as gameplay things, we don't know. Rob mentioned this in the staff channel the other day and he was like, you guys, you don't even like 4X games anymore. How is it you don't even like, you don't even know about this game? Like, you know, am I the only guy who likes 4X it's games? It's on my wish list. That's the best <laughs> I can do. Yeah, I'm telling you, then you just uh, keep an eye on it because I know that they're doing some, in, they're doing some closed betas soon that they're going to open up, you know, to, to the public for. So if you're interested in historical forex or if you're just interested in seeing what the hell they're doing i suggest you try to get in because i went into it with very very minimal expectations and walked away thinking that they might just be onto something and that's all i can really say so i i think that that's a very promising forex game and that definitely has a 2023 release window as well as so many other things and there's one game that i wish i could talk about that has a 2023 release window that hasn't even been announced yet that will also be in the running for Forex Game of the Year. So it's going to be a wild year. How dare you do that to us, sir? Leave us on I that. I know, he's such hell. a tease. He's, he such always tease. just teases us. NDAs, just... NDAs, man. This one's Loctite, and if I said anything about it, I'd probably get killed. So anyway, this will be an amazing year. I'm super excited. I hope you guys are too. I think that'll be the last time we go into how many things are great about 2023. So with that being said, this was Rob, Ben, Drexy, and Daz Tactic for Explominate. Until next time, keep exploring.